0: why are indian startups not able to continue their journey right i mean why is ola uh, or flipkart struggling when they are talking about uber mm-hmm. and amazon and i am not talking about any industry expert as just as a customer that i used to be you know of course ola and flipkart were the first ones to be there in india and so we all started using them and uber and amazon came later mm-hmm. but somehow today like i i just i have not used in last 6 months to 1 year either flipkart or ola you know because just the quality right so i feel that i mean institution uh, which lasts or outlasts the founders has to have certain culture of excellence
1: so welcome to outliers uh, this is uh, a podcast with with outliers and with people uh, who take a uh, different path. Uh, today I'm really excited uh, to have uh, Samir Guglani with us, writer in Chandigarh. Uh, I have always uh, looked up to you, uh, Samir, and your bunch of uh, founders over years of tracking uh, Indian startup ecosystem. Uh, you know, Samir uh, is the founder of uh, Morpheus, uh, Morpheus Gang as it was called very fondly, it's still called. Uh, these are a bunch of uh, entrepreneurs and founders uh, I have been really fascinated by uh, some of them uh, they stand out and uh, the uh, fondness with which they always talk about uh, you know you and Morpheus uh, all that uh, over years uh, forced me to come <laughs> hunt you down and speak to you uh, 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 so, welcome, Samir. Uh, thanks, really, for joining us on the podcast.
0: Thank you. Uh,
1: this is almost like uh, you you go, you go to Himalayas and find a monk in some kind of a cave. Uh, so, if I were to look at where I'm coming from, which is the jungle of startups and uh, the startup ecosystem, which is Bangalore, and in Chandigarh, I come to this place and I find you, Samir, one of the reasons uh, I really wanted to have this conversation is to understand your view of entrepreneurship. Uh, What have you learned from the founders you have worked with? What works? What doesn't? Uh, And this year especially, as a lot of people are thinking whether they should become a founder or not, they are really confused. Uh, and that's the reason I thought we should have this conversation with you and get uh, deep into uh, the whole founder's mentality and uh, a bunch of other questions. Uh, sure. To start with, uh, what have you learned from the founders you've worked with over years at Morpheus?
0: I think one of the most important thing I, I learned is the, so one of the most important things I have learned, um, from my journey at Morpheus and with all the founders is the, uh, is the magic of community. Right? So when we started uh, working with startup founders back in 2008, so when we did our second batch, we had about uh, four startups in first batch and maybe six in the second batch. So it and and quite a few of them were in Bangalore. So, you know, we saw that, you know, all of these founders used to come and talk to us uh, whatever issues they had. But in every conversation, they also shared a lot of new things which they had learned. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, you know this is a term which, which my yoga teacher said to me uh, recently, uh, you know, and I, I never thought about it, but it was also true for us that he says whenever I'm teaching students yoga, they think that they are learning from me. He said, but I am learning from all of them, right? So if you have a capacity to open up and learn and you're all working with smart people, you know, you can really have a multi multiplier effect of learning, right? So we were in this process where every day we would talk to multiple founders and look at a variety of problems. And that gave us a certain perspective, which you could share with others. Uh, but uh, at that time, somehow this idea came up that since each founders is so smart and can offer so much help to the other you know can we have a system in which like we can all discuss all problems at the same time it's not that I am the only one or Nandini is the only one people are coming to ask questions and um, you know and so basically instead of having this relation can we have a relationship when we are all sitting in the circle Mm -hmm. and anybody who has a problem or asks a question can put up that question and anybody else from the circle can answer, right? Mm. At the same time, if we, since all of us are pursuing our own journeys of learning entrepreneurship and we are discovering new uh, new wisdom, new articles, new videos, and maybe new good event, can we come back and share, like whatever is really exciting for me, maybe I can come back, bring back to my community, right? So we started, uh, you know, we had this idea and we started uh, this mailing list, mm-hmm. you know, and, and basically, and the name was gang at the redmorphius.com mm-hmm. and and to begin with it was really a you know kind of a commercially mm-hmm. commercial thought mm-hmm. that hey if we are all you know about helping the portfolio become more and more valuable so a a a more efficient way of sharing knowledge you know can can help everybody right but uh, you know eventually the gang like today the the, the number of entrepreneur Morpheus gang is about 330 to 340 mm-hmm. right so slowly, for me, uh, you know, the gang became more and more what really Morpheus represented, and it was this whole at- attitude of sharing uh, with the other or helping the other. And I think part of it is like you know there is this there is this whole thing of pay it forward, which you anyway hear in the startup ecosystem. And I think a lot of the startups are are founders are really open to open to sharing, right? So in the Morpheus, we saw that that phenomenon like with every batch, more number of people joined right and they were welcomed so openly into the into the group and it doesn't even take 30 days to kind of kind of really receive the love in the beginning we had to curate we had to set up a certain culture but really the and you know and 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 that is where the community goes beyond uh, any definition of uh, you know advisor mentor vc whatever right basically people think of each other as family Mm. and the difference in in the community was that it was a decentralized community yes right? so if you look at uh, there are many forums and initiatives for startups yes. in india and personally i feel that you know they are all you know controlled by the people who started yes right and it is really um, more or less they, it works for their own agendas yes right but uh, somehow without any i mean it, it just Automatically happened, and this whole community, Morpheus gang, was a decentralized community. There's nobody really controlling the community, right? At best, we as core core team members were facilitating the process, and obviously we were curating the people coming yes. in. I think, but over a period of time, the fact that people were able to share so many, so much of knowledge and help each other in all all aspects. Because, for example, like Morpheus never had an office, right? You know, like we for a for a few years we had no money. To afford an office, so we work out our laptops. And after that, you know, this where we are sitting right now, that became our, you know, kind of hangout area. I can't even call it office, right? So, but we did so many events, like every city, every month we had event. Where did, we, where did we, we never went to a hotel, you know, expensive hotels to organize it. Every time, you know, there was some company or the other who would gladly offer their own office yes. as a place to hang out. And, you know, they would offer very basic. Uh, facilities but you know nobody really cared so you could come and and you had you could be totally authentic in the community nobody was really Mm -hmm. you could share your fears you could share the problem which you're having you could you know give very honest feedback right so there was no need to put on a mask Mm -hmm. as such so i think for me personally that's something you know which i really kind of appreciated because i've always been averse to hanging out with people who where I need to put a mask, mask right <laughs> and and in generally in one's life one has to find such people with Morpheus you know we really had a family big family of many such people who taught me you know about communities about shared values about sharing with others without like we had a company which, which used to make t-shirts and one day they simply sent an email that we would like to gift 50 t-shirts to the gang you know like please uh, who were first sent, and you know, interestingly, you don't you don't get people replying with says, "Oh, give me five t-shirts Actually, people start replying, "I would like to contribute ten more T-shirts," mm-hmm. so you know, I will pay for ten more T-shirts, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And we all had, so we've had amazing moments, uh, you know, and this was not a digital community; it was a community which had an internet as a connecting platform, yes. but basically, people existed in every city, yes. and you know we had we used to have this events called Morpheus Gurukul, which was a uh, two day, started with two day and went to three days, four days event where you know we simply rented a uh, a resort somewhere uh, you know outside like whatever Bangalore, <coughs> Kerala, we've gone different places. And and there was like in the first event we did, uh, you know, we tried to have some agenda and some speakers and you know all this thing. And like within uh, midway through the event we collapsed all that. We realized that you know entrepreneurs are not interested in you know because see, the thing is the moment you have a speaker then you have a hierarchy. Yeah. Right. So we felt that like it was not comfortable for people. So we just collapsed that right. Next, on, onward, we never had any speakers. We never had anything else except some guests and people just come and serendipitously just meet each other, discover who they should talk to and really create bonds, which become bonds. Like, you know, people whom we used to know in our college days. And so, I think to me, that's the biggest contribution to my life in Morpheus is that, you know, so many good friends, even though I'm not active, in startup ecosystem anymore but i have i have gained so many good friends from morpheus and actually in my new life also i started a community which is similar to morpheus because i got i got so addicted to the love and compassion and support you never feel alone because which is the loneliness is one of the biggest issues in startup yes you know any any journey of pioneering anything loneliness is the biggest issue and that's what leads to most depression yes. like because you are emotionally so stressed and you cannot talk to anybody just heart to heart and say dude like this is what is happening and I think that you know because once you interact with people in a group then you kind of picked your own friend and you had your side conversation Mm -hmm. so I think that uh, you know that to me that for me that was the most valuable and with every batch the value which the gang brought to a a company actually kept growing more Mm -hmm. and more and even when we decided to Mm -hmm. shut down our accelerator program and we were about 160 members in the gang we could clearly see that this, this gang as a tradition should go on because it was a place where non-commercially people were simply sharing and helping each other and they were learning the value of sharing. Because see what is happening in the world is the value in sharing is gone. Everybody wants to compete. Everybody wants to go ahead. right? So now we said anybody can invite their own friends if they feel they are relevant to the gang. And, you know, and that's how the, the number has now grown to 3, 330.
1: Uh, <clears throat> let me get to another question, which you a know, couple of things that we were discussing before we started recording this podcast a bunch of uh, mafias uh, mm. gang members themselves who who started building companies in their own way and mm. they are outliers mm. in 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 their own way as well uh, and what happened over the past few years is with the startup boom yeah. uh, a breed of entrepreneurs yeah. uh, were raising money yeah. uh, they were around everywhere in the press and so yeah. on and there were these people living in the shadow of that uh what do you make of uh the bunch that are not visibly uh, so successful mm-hmm. and you know what what i'm talking about and i mean h- how difficult or easy it is being one of that and not yeah. <laughs> really a poster yeah. child yeah, like yeah, they say
0: see basically uh See, the startup ecosystem, uh, you know, uh, really, it basically, uh, you know, celebrates, uh, visibly celebrates people who are continuing to do something exciting all the time. right? And that is, that is a part of human culture right now. I mean, you know, you can look at any field of action, you know, you can look at new movies, new actors, new music everywhere, basically the ones who keep getting doing more exciting stuff. You know which is newsworthy <laughs> remains in the minds of people, and the rest are basically forgotten as though what they have failed. But I think what people don't see is there are layers of outcomes in a startup journey. Right? If hundred people started their companies, maybe like in in case of Marfia, there are 80, 82 company which we worked with, and there are probably the five which basically reached a point where they have done well enough. Whatever has happened with they, they become the poster. You know, at some point. Or the other, you know. But even in those cases, basically there are there is only one or two which continue to poster by till today. <laughs> you know, like the moment you are not on the news for six months, yeah, people seem to forget you, yeah, right. But I think the journeys are still continuing even though it is not coming on media, hmm. right. Hmm. So what I saw was that basically there is this particular mindset or a need um, of the venture capital ecosystem. Is to take a company and put in the money and basically kind of keep putting blowing the balloon until it becomes hundred x. Yes. Right. And they will not stop. And I mean, no matter even if if you're gonna bust, basically. Right? Mm. So that's the mindset. Basically, you have to keep growing, 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 and you have to keep raising more money. It's okay to be unprofitable, right? So now that is that is not the only way of building a company. That is one way of building company, and it's valid in its own right, right? Many companies would could not be built in any other way. But the problem which has happened is because that met, the method is being so highlighted. Everybody wants to follow that method, even though it suits their context or not. and, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm not so. If you ask, I'm not so happy or proud about the four to five uh, outliers which we got. I think if you, I mean, eighty startups, five will take off. There's no big deal about it, right? But I am personally very uh, much more happy about that. The middle layer of CBC, there are the ones who take off, there are the ones who completely yeah. get wiped out. Right? Yes. Typically, the middle part is very thin actually. Like the ones who don't take off, they simply go back to their own life. Mm. So in, in case of Marpheus, we have a very strong middle part mm. of people who still continue their entrepreneurial journeys, irrespective of like, see, these are people who let's say raised their first round of capital. Sure. Right? Because people found them exciting. And they also thought that this is how it will work in future. But slowly they realized that the, the mindset of the venture capital industry and their own mindset was totally different. Mm-hmm. And even though there was this tug of war between the two sides, because these guys just kind of dug into their own feet, mm-hmm. And very soon, most of them became kind of black sheep for their own investors. Mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes the investors are the ones who are carrying your image in the, in the community. So nobody wants to fund you right but these are people who who somehow said you know like somehow we we are going to make it happen right because they were so connected and passionate about the problem they were solving and you can meet any one of them and you basically meet that guy you see that industry in his face like they are who people are these
1: you have examples
0: you know like you know for example Possist is a company you know ashish and sakshi they they run uh, you know for restaurant and you meet them i mean you know like you just see the restaurant industry through their eyes they know everything about what is happening and you know, many times we've had this food tech and I've had long conversation with Ashish and his views on food tech, which was seen as, you know, he he, he could, he could say that it will not work out. And, you know, we have seen that pan out and these people, you know, they have taken loans from their families, their friends, you know, like talk to their customers, whatever. They have tried whatever way to keep the thing going, because they still have a very deep understanding and belief of their own sector, like, like Tarun Mata from I Am Jobs. Right? So they recently raised, um, I think 10 crore rupees, uh, but after the gap of four years, mm. right? But they kept doing their work and basically somehow, and, and still Tarun not, was not one of the guys who go out and raise money, even when the fundraiser was happening, like he was open to it, but he was not desperate for it. Like because the company had few crores in the bank by themselves. Okay. Right? So I think that basically, um, you know, and, and, and actually it's, it's, that's how the thing is that there's no more money available to these guys to scale because mm-hmm. they have not been that of the, but I think there are a lot of people. So I feel that the, I think the thing about startup journeys is that it's like while you're building a startup, you're also building yourself, right? And you have to, uh, you know, there's this, um, in, in our uh, tradition in India, there's this term called Swabha. Yes. So swabhav is basically swa is a it's a Sanskrit word. Swa is me, bhav is nature, Nature. right? So my true nature. So everybody swabhav is part of every being who's born on earth as a potential. And they say that the the true purpose of the being on earth is to actually fulfill, and live that swabhav. Yes. But in reality, very few people are able to even touch their swabhav. Why? Because the moment you are born there are lots of forces around you, there is your family culture, there is the culture of whichever city, community you belong to, the country you belong to, right. So that force is the force which is coming from outside and trying to mold you into whatever it feels is the right way of being. So that is called in in Sanskrit it Prabhav, Parabhav, somebody else's nature, right. So all of us are actually affected by, it's like, you know, if you're, if you're born as a mango seed, so you're, you're going to feel happy and fulfilled to become a big mango tree. But, you know, in, in, like you may, but if you become like some other tree, like a neem tree or a people tree, you know, if you are very grand and people look at you from outside and really admire you. But from within you, you know, that something is mm-hmm. is wrong with this. Like I'm doing well in life, but I'm not really happy within myself. Mm-hmm. So I feel that whenever a, a true urge of entrepreneurship is actually a true urge of finding myself. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so I basically, let's say I work for Oracle, right? So Oracle as a company has a system in which I work. So that's the problem, right? So I exit that and I start my own journey where I want to set my own rules. I don't want to be on the Oracle train, which runs in Oracle way. I want to have my own train. I'm my own journey. Right. So we, in Oracle, it's like, you know, I was a you know, animal in a cage, right? So the thing is that if I'm in a cage, good thing is that I, somebody will give me food somebody will look after me i don't have to uh, you know worry about it but if i walk out of the cage i have to find my own food that's the scarcity but that's originally who i am so i should be able to find my own swabhav and live live that right so that's my journey to find myself and fulfill myself so but the moment you come into the startup ecosystem actually it's another Oracle, like another system in, yeah. in which is already predefined yes. and there are journeys which you need to take to be called successful, right? So many people actually fall prey to that, right? They start doing the things which our, the system is expecting to do, right? Now to me, it doesn't matter your company fails or, or becomes a billion dollar company, you have lost it, mm-hmm. right? But mm-hmm. if you can ideally discover yourself through this process, and I think entrepreneurship is just one such expression, right? I mean, it's my expression, right? Yeah. But if I start doing things which others are telling me to do, that it's like as good as working uh, for somebody else. <laughs> right. So I've seen many people, many companies go through that thing and wherever the founders refuse to do that, the basically suddenly the fund, the at least temporarily the support from the system dries up. But if you continue to do well, and you know, like you are on your journey and after some time, because you know, I mean, there are different kinds of, there are people in the investment uh, industry who will recognize that, strengthen you and then come and come and be partner with you at more at an equal term. So I think that's a very interesting thing. So we have seen you know, many people, uh, many people do. And yeah, actually there is another third group of people who have actually totally left the whole uh, game of building a big scalable type of company. So they've realized that actually my own growth has to be independent of money. Like, what? But if I want to grow as a writer, as a programmer, as whatever I am, but the moment I make connected to also earning livelihood from the same source, it starts to distort it. Yeah, right? I know what you see. So what used to happen, if you really look back 500 years, was that everybody used to live on land, right? land, abundant land. Everybody used to either farm as a family or be a hunter. So livelihood was really that you already had a house for your food. The whole family used to either hunt or farm three to four hours a day mm-hmm. the rest of the time was left it was your own time so basically if you are four hours a day you are finding food and ten hours a day you are sleeping and whatever getting fit. you still had ten hours a day extra and if you had the urge to expand your knowledge and expand your action you could focus on so what in, in, in Indian term they call it as sadhana so basically and many people are rediscovering that, that if you completely become only Overtaken by one career where you give 14 hours a day, right? No matter it's your own company or somebody else's company, you become a slave of that system, right? So can I find an alternate way of living where actually I kind of very carefully examine what are my needs of living? Right? If I really carefully examine, I will realize that a lot of the thing which I thought I needed actually not needed, mm-hmm. right? So if I live in a Bangalore or any metro, maybe a lakh rupees a month is enough for me. Mm-hmm. And if i live in a smaller city maybe fifty thousand rupees a month right now can i find a way and a skill which i have with which i can earn that money right and i can only give part of my time to that You can start with half of your time hmm. and and basically the rest of the time you do things which you truly connect with right and you maybe you're learning that maybe you're building them but you know there is no distortion of money there's no outcome doesn't matter you can take because truly great things only happen when you can I give them time and do them so a lot of uh, at least uh, how many would I say basically 10 to 10-15% of entrepreneurs who were part of the Morpheus journey basically or even otherwise who I know have basically now started questioning this and they're coming to a similar conclusion and many of them have then become independent professionals in different fields because they've gained a lot of learning through their own thing so they go back and like one of my friend he started a company which which makes uh, you know uh, presentations for startups so they basically that he found that as his core skill. So basically, he you know he can now you know that readily freed him. He can work from anywhere, and he was able to shift back from Pune to Chandigarh and just live in this city. And you know he has a lot more time for himself and his family to learn and focus. I think that's another trend which is emerging. I I advise this to many startups. I talked to yesterday one guy who basically tried two startups, you know didn't work out. This whole game of fundraising. I said, dude, like why don't you think of something else? Because you can either go back to your corporate job. Which will pay you 40 lakh rupees salary but again go back into the same Prabhav mentality. Mm. If you want to stay independent why don't you create something which can take care of your livelihood and imagine the freedom if you have financially taken care, imagine the freedom of experimentation of doing things which you can have if you were to be able to establish. Of course, but And I think the current economy has become very very open and creative and you can yeah. create new, you to... new kind of careers.
1: Uh, let let me take this conversation to uh, you know another point again that we were discussing about institutional building. Mm. Everything that you've been saying, if I'm listening in, uh, you look at the current breed of entrepreneurs yeah. that we have today and uh, let's for a moment look at the so-called, mm. uh, I shouldn't be using this word, but unicorn mm. founders yeah, or whatever absolutely, you call absolute, it. Right? Absolutely. Now, the questions are, mm-hmm. I mean, the question is, are they building institutions? Because if you go back and look at your know, Narayan Murtis or regime Premji's of the world, I mean, they may not appear so sexy now, mm. but end of the day, institutions were created.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: What is your view of institutional building in the current breed of startups? See, one of the trend which, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we have,
0: we've been talking about even before is that, you know, uh, see, there is a, good bunch of Indian startups, you know, maybe 50, 50 plus who have kind of broken through the, you know, come out of all, all other challenges and, you know, really come out, come out ahead. Um, and now, uh, you know, they are facing global competition or basically in some cases, not global competition, but still just continuing challenge to be growing even 10 years uh, since they were started. Right? And many of them you are seeing to see they are running out of steam. You know, valuations are dropping and you know delistings are happening, companies are getting merged. Um, so I think one of the things is that basically why are Indian startups not able to continue their journey, right? I mean why is Ola uh, or Flipkart struggling when they are talking about Uber mm-hmm. and Amazon and I am not talking about any industry expert as just as a customer that I used to be you know of course ola and flipkart were the first ones to be there in india and so we all started using them and uber and amazon came later but somehow today like i i just i have not used in last 6 months to one year either flipkart or ola you know because just the quality right so i feel that i mean institution uh, which lasts or outlasts the founders has to have certain culture of excellence mm-hmm. Right? Why would the market, why would the customer would like you to survive, right? So when we start our companies, basically vis-a-vis the rest of the ecosystem, if we are excellent at one or two things, of course, we come out ahead and then we are able to attract capital and talent to build our journeys, right? Yeah. But can we continue to expand in excellence? And the thing is, excellence is always relative, right? Maybe Flipkart is today providing service which is 10x better than what they used to do when they started. But today, because Amazon has come in, suddenly the benchmark has changed. Right? So excellence is also not an absolute excellence, right? it's like really, you know, it's, it really becomes a becomes a relative term. So can I continue to expand my excellence? Excellence of product, excellence of operation, excellence of marketing, excellence of team building, excellence of Uh, finance you know kind of integrated excellence which continues to grow you know as the environment around me changes right which is which is not you know some cases we haven't seen that as we discussed in some cases companies like Zoho and FreshTech they have been able to establish themselves so I think what would be probably a natural outcome of the next breed of company which you will see Mm -hmm. is that people who can who will go beyond that right that people, companies who will not stop at being the number two Mm. in in, in the industry, with which will be able to actually go beyond that. But I think that's where the mindset changes. So I feel that, you know, the the thing what happens is entrepreneurs at some point start stagnating. Yes. Right? Because there's so much struggle they have gone through to to move every inch Mm. of things, you know, I mean, logistics industry wouldn't budge, you know, Flipkart had to work with them. Mm. So somewhere, you know, there is some tiredness. (laughs) which comes in, or maybe somewhere, something like that, I have already arrived, you know, too much of celebrity status comes in that, that growth of consciousness is not happening. And I think what is happening is if an entrepreneur doesn't see if I, if I have capacity to do X and I exhaust my capacity to do X, it's like my car has run out of fuel, right? So I need more and more expanded consciousness to be able to face new challenges, which I can't even predict. Like who could have predicted what would happen uh, in startup ecosystem, it's very difficult. So I think if you look at like an evolutionary trend, uh, always uh, see if you look at from matter to plant to animal to human. Humans is the first species where the evolution happens. It's a self-evolutionary species. Like we can look back at ourselves and reprogram our conditions of living in our cell. Like right? you know, rabbits are still living in the same hole they used to live thousands of years ago, but humans have moved yeah. forward, right? So expansion of consciousness, if it doesn't keep pace with the changes which are happening is going to lead to stagnation or frustration or many of these things. So I think one of the things which a lot of founders have to kind of maybe work upon is how are they working on their own growth right? how are they working on growing and expanding their own self. Right? In one of the examples in entrepreneurship world is Elon Musk, hmm. right, I mean, he's running literally two to three companies. Yes. Right. And all of them are mega projects. All of them are in always (laughs) mega crises, right. Mega plans of growth. Yes. Right. How is one guy able to manage so much? Right. Because why some process, which we don't know the consciousness has expanded. Same with Steve Jobs. Even if you look at Amazon, right. I mean, you know, AWS and Amazon.com are not, not the same business, they may just have the same name, completely differently than right? And then building your own consciousness is the first thing, the founding team, but then building a layer of management under you, who's also capable of growing in consciousness. So somehow there has to be engine of growth of consciousness, which has to happen within a company because so that they can keep facing and You know, because I think, see, what has happened is, when the Indian ecosystem started, right, there was a certain level of complexity, which it takes to run a company and you know, you need yes. certain force. Yes. So there are many people who had that force. So we have a current ecosystem. Hmm. But today, the complexity is now 10x of that, right? So you need people who have 10x the consciousness to be able to see, to be able to solve, to to, to go beyond this level. Now we have, we have kind of hit a plateau. So how do we go beyond this, this thing that we have everything today, right? People a lot of some smart people are willing to work for startup ecosystem, a lot of money has come in so I think and this was one of my uh, you know kind of core insights which came to me during the journey of Morpheus right so we were, uh, we worked with a total of 10 batches and you know this was the point when we had worked with 5 batches and we were receiving applications for our next batch and I was on the train Shatabdi from Delhi to Chandigarh and I was thinking about like you know, now we have a new batch coming in, and how how can we uh, improve our way of selection, and how can we basically you know improve our way of working with them? So I said, so let me look at our previous work and try to kind of understand from that what is the learning which we can take forward. We worked with thirty six companies at that time, and I simply wrote down the names of the companies and start thinking about them, and they kind of split it into two groups: one which had taken off, mm-hmm. one which had fail to take off mm-hmm. and uh, and almost like 50 50 right mm-hmm. so while the outcome was clear the process how and why this happened was not clear to me because see we used to put in a lot of effort in selection and nurturing of this company mm-hmm. right so why would the outcome be so different right what is that we don't understand about this process so we looked at the company and thing is if you really look at companies it's all about the founders founder is the engine Of a company, Mm -hmm. that's the force Mm -hmm. in which, right? And startup process is basically the process of problem solving. Mm -hmm. So, anytime you're building a company, you're every day facing new problems. Mm -hmm. So, really, how effectively and efficiently you can find good solutions Mm -hmm. and get the problem out of the way and then keep moving on, right? So, problem solving uh, was the core. Mm -hmm. So, then when we looked at the method of problem solving in these two groups of founders, they were actually very different ways of solving problems. There's one group which was very logical and rational in their approach to problem solving. So there is a problem which comes. So they look at it calmly, rationally, divide it into pieces, try to see each piece, understand it, collect some data, you know, like that in a very methodical way, find a solution and try to implement it. Mm-hmm. Second was a group, which was basically look very random in their approach. So these are people who were somehow engaged with the problem and at any point if they had an insight or a gut feel about this could be possibly the solution, they would drop all investigation and simply implement the solution to see what happens.
2: Hmm.
0: Now the surprise was that the ones who were looked more random and intuitive were the ones who were succeeding and the ones who were logical, rational, methodical were not, not able to get the answer.
1: Interesting.
0: Right? <laughs> And, but, you know, if you really look at it closely, it won't be that surprising because logic is basically collection of my past knowledge.
1: Preconceived uh, in past. Yeah. Past, right. Mm.
0: So if I'm working in a same, similar situation every day, right, if the situation I'm dealing with are very similar to what I have in past, then logic is the way to go, right. But if I'm working in newer and unknown situation, my logic will always fail me. Right? And entrepreneurship is a is a is a is a zone of unknowns and unknowns and unknowns, right? So you every day come come with new unknowns. So the ones who were logical were obviously not getting it, and ones who were intuitive were getting it, right? So somehow they had access to some mysterious source by which the answer would simply pop into their head, and they would also they would they also wouldn't know how did it come, but they would implement it, <laughs> right? So that was very interesting. I want to really understand like what is this happening, what is the phenomenon of intuition. Right? Mm. So just to expand my research, I started looking at other companies in the history of humankind who have also done <laughs> well, pioneered certain fields. And more and more I was clearly able to see that all pioneering companies of human history have had founders who had this intuitive mysterious way about them. You can talk about Steve Jobs. Jeff Bezos, you can talk about Henry Ford. Like many of their landmark mm-hmm. decisions, there is no logic behind it. Mm-hmm. They did it because mm-hmm. it came to them, mm-hmm. right? So intuition was the force behind all pioneering companies. And then when we expanded the research a little bit more, started looking at other fields of human action, we realized that all human pioneers have actually been driven by intuition. Do you think about scientists, right? All yes. science is full of stories of people who woke up with the design of benzene molecule in their dream or, you know, Eureka, Eureka. So it is very interesting. So intuition seems to be a Mm -hmm. force of pioneering of all human uh, movement. But we live in a world which is very mental. Like in all our colleges, all our schools, everywhere we are only taught to work with logic and mind.
1: So you make a very important point, Samir. So does it mean that the problems that we see with current crop of entrepreneurs who have Mm -hmm. built their companies? brought them at this level and are unable to go to the next orbit it could be because of
0: yeah i mean i am see i am very convinced with this and because see what i so i said like so what is really happening like what where is the mind getting stuck why is some people intuitive why some not intuitive and if the whole human progress is dependent on intuition like why are we not intuitive i said maybe we don't understand how intuition works so i decided to find out so basically i i started devoting a lot of time to read about how the mind works so i went uh, started with popular science books like say blink and outliers and then moved on to actually academic research in uh, neurology and psychology so i read a lot of stuff and you know people who have done work in the field and are current let Nobel prize winning guys you know thinking fast thinking slow While all this expanded my knowledge of the mind and psychology basically, but none of them were actually answering the question of intuition. So in the spirit of science, I said, okay, science has come so far. It hasn't recognized intuition, but I understand intuition to a certain level. So maybe I should go ahead and propose a theory of Mm -hmm. scientific theory of intuition. Mm -hmm. And my theory was that everybody is born... Like I was, you know, in a very physical way, Very, I mean, you know, this is neurons in our head, everybody is born with a certain latent capacities and special talents in them, which are embedded in the neural network. Mm-hmm. And if during their lifetime, while some <coughs> events happen that that talent is discovered and then nurtured, then they will be on a path to excellence. For example, if you take Sajin Tendulkar, right, mm-hmm. so somehow at the mm-hmm. age of six or seven, he was playing cricket right and somebody noticed that this guy plays better than mm. the lot mm. and and you know and somehow he was given an environment to nurture that talent right and I and mean, mm. the result is is like for example uh, the founders of hacker rank yes you know they um, uh, there is a spinner called r ashwin in mm. indian team these of course. days yeah he was their classmate actually and they know firsthand how the parents of Ashwin used to be worried that he's not studying. Because this guy used to just want to play cricket. And 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 the guys, the Vivek of Hacker Rank was actually topper of his class. He says, uh, you know, Ashwin is actually far more, you know, even if you look at material success, is far more ahead than us. <laughs> than us, because we for a long time simply followed an academic success, you know, which was they recognize not like my own way of yeah. being basically right? so I thought that if you were to take 100 people who are today excellent in what they do and also are happy and you were to observe the brain activity for a period of time you will see a neurochemical pattern mm-hmm. and and that was my theory basically so I said, I said let me propose the theory let me work with scientists to test that but just at that time basically my daughter was three and, and, you know, we were looking, thinking about her education and we, we had no interest in sending her to regular school. We were thinking of something which is more open and more, uh, you know, supportive for a child. And then we were suggested about a particular uh, learning community in Chandigarh called Koveda. So um, and, and a couple of my friends said that and we went to visit them. So basically it's a it's a free progress education system where basically the child is allowed to feel himself and become self-aware and find his own way of learning. Mm-hmm rather than a system which is being imposed on him Mm. and the environment is basically to support the child's journey of discovering himself and kind of getting. So in that system I was um, you know when I went for the first day and the question which was asked was that okay so you are here because you want your child to be free. So yeah so are you free yourself? (laughs) And before I could even come up with the answer what I was told was that basically You don't have to give an answer to us it's for you to find out for yourself but what you should know is that a child can only be free if the parents are free because child is growing up within the limitation of the parents so if at your home you eat 10 different kind of dishes right that's food for your child and you may be free parent where you say you can eat whatever you like but your freedom is limited to 10 so the child will say yes to five, no to five. But the world is offering uncountable number of dishes. So you are really, you know, limited in that sense. So, and you will pass on the limitation to your child. So similarly, the, the books you read, the way you travel, everything is going to be the limitation, right? So if you are committed to your freedom of your child, you have to be committed to your own freedom. So that question really triggered a lot of introspection in me. Like, am I free or not? And I really didn't know how to find that out. So I, but I was in the community of other people parents who were kind of giving me different cues of finding out and at that time I ended up reading a book on the system of education which which is called integral education written by one of the founders of the school and in that book there was a chapter called perfection of mind so how do you really perfect the mind of a child as per integral education system and it starts with the systems of um, you know observation sensory expansion rational thinking logic logic visualization all that stuff And in the last 10 pages, it starts to say that intellectual mind can only be developed to a limit. Beyond that are the ranges of intuitive mind. And 10 pages about intuition and what is intuition, you know, how does it work? How does it expand? How do you develop it? And I was like fascinated because I have been researching for two years in my own professional domain of trying to figure out that the entrepreneur then suddenly I find and I'm thinking that I have to kind of do and write a white paper and do research on this and suddenly I say wow somebody knows this thing <laughs> right so the 10 pages uh, were quite useful for me because it confirmed my own research but it was still not the full picture right mm. so I wanted to know more so in those 10 pages uh, somewhere there was a reference that the only place work has been done to understand and develop intuition is the ancient Indian yogic system. Now the word yoga for me didn't have you know it the only meaning it had was um, what do you say the exercise right and that also I never tried but apparently it had a lot more depth to it and the secret of intuition to it so I said okay so you know and I have been very aversive to to religion and spirituality all my life I I used to really stay away but this was like a question I was trying to pursue so I said let me find out what is this whole yoga thing right so I spent the next three to four months trying to read and understand from books basically right? so I read uh, so the so the book which was written on integral education was written by somebody who was himself whose teacher was Sri Okay. you know so I read Sri I read Vivekananda I read J.Kishtamurthy I read uh, some Buddhist writer so whoever you think is mm. you know comes across as authority and in three to four months actually had a working definition of intuition which basically says that Human human beings can live in three different modes of consciousness, broadly. One is the most common today is the, what is called a surface consciousness. Mm-hmm. So surface consciousness is where I believe that I am, who, who am I is basically within the surface of my body. So I am separate from the rest, right? So whatever I know is basically what I have learned through my own senses. So it's like I'm a computer basically, so I have, the data has been inputted into me, processed and stored. So by the time I grow big, right, I'm learning more and more. So I have direct and indirect source of learning, but whatever I know is part of my local database, local memory. So now if you ask me to work on a problem, which I have no clue about, you know, either I have to tell you that I can't solve this thing, or I have to say that, let like, give me some time. I will go learn about it, or I will take a workshop or a class about it. Then I can come back, right? So this is how typically people are working, right? So I have to, I'm an entrepreneur. I have to solve a problem of hiring. And I've never done hiring in my life, so I start reading books on hiring or start consulting some expert. Right? That's the way people are trying to expand. Now, the second level of consciousness is called the interconnected consciousness, where each one of us start to realize that we have an inner connection to everything and everybody around us. It's like it's like from a standalone computer, suddenly I discover I am a computer on a connected network. to the you know, network so I can access data not only in on my hard disk on the other hard disk Like right? it's like mm. this is how you meet new people and within seconds you know you know the vibe mm. of the person right we all experience right this is how when you go to a bookstore to buy some book and you see a new book which you've never seen before somehow it it attracts it, it exerts a push pull on you mm. and you go pick up that book mm. Ki chalo dekhtein, kaisi hogi? and turns out that was a f- perfect book yes. for your current situation right so how do these things happen basically there is an inner connection which you already had with the book and through that connection you receive the pull now yoga says that you can actually cultivate your consciousness in such a way that this will become your default wave operation you can trust this inner sense just like you trust your eyes sometimes more than that and then the next level of consciousness is called like the universal consciousness which is a con- which where you realize that the whole universe is simply one consciousness, mm-hmm. and I am that. So the moment, so it's like from a now from a network you have gone to the internet. Mm-hmm. So internet is a vast ocean yes. of knowledge, right? Of course, the universal consciousness is way beyond even the internet, right? So basically, this is why. So the, they said that the ones who believe that they are separate from the rest, they keep themselves closed. They are not open to receiving ideas from the yes. universe and help. So they are in their shell, so they can only do as well as their knowledge is right. So if you, if you were to solve the problem and you're using knowledge in one computer, you're always going to be limited, right? But if you could access multiple computers, you can have a better chance. If you could access the whole internet, you will have even better chance. It's like a, it's, there's no mysticism to it. basically, it's a simple science that. the the more expanded your consciousness the more the data and the more information you have access to and the faster you process and the insights come you make a decision this is how you hire or fire people within two minutes right Mm -hmm. so so basically Mm -hmm. yoga was the process and yoga has nothing to do with religion interesting it is basically it's a pre-religion concept right so it's a process of joining or expansion of an individual consciousness basically become interconnected and finally universal. Mm -hmm. So I said, and basically, and I realized that that's, I was just simply touching the surface of this thing. And I really needed, I was very interested in pursuing that path with more depth. And hence, and another thing which happened was as my perspective of, of the world expanded, when I realized that a lot of times or most of the time business was done for personal profit and exploitation of the rest of the thing, which was something which I was not very in harmony plus i wanted to really pursue this path of expansion of consciousness that is what actually got me to take a break from what i was doing at morpheus so that i can give my full attention to this process of my own expansion so i no longer had a goal to go back to morpheus and you know explain to them people but i really because i see i did go back and talk to people this is the way yeah you should expand your consciousness and this you can but and you know but like it was people didn't buy it <laughs> right maybe it was i was also not very prepared to, to this thing or maybe whatever interest or understanding they had is not the same level. But I couldn't see any other way of building companies. And where you worked on yourself, you expanded your consciousness and from that intuitive place you build company. Because I think that is how the companies are built in the first place but that is unconscious intuition which ha- occurs to you yes. because you are doing something which is close to your now. But the moment uh, two, three years go by and your company becomes big what happens is you, from intuition you switch to mental process because yes. you say that now i company is too big i can't take chances that insights come to me i have to really then you basically convert the whole operation from intuition to logic and that is where i think the stagnation also comes mm-hmm. because That's you are no big. longer jumping Orbit orbits or, hmm. you basically are in the like even i mean I, a lot of people feel this with app, about apple right now yeah that exactly post steve jobs you know, it has come to the mental level, right? So they will survive just like Microsoft has, but at that level of stagnation, right? Mm-hmm. So how do you know? How do you keep breaking? So basically, I think this is, you know, that was my core kind of thesis, you know, and I went back with that thesis to the group of Morpheus gang. But at that time, you know, people felt that was not an appropriate way of building company because at the moment you say I want to be universal in consciousness, mm-hmm. then you are not individual, then you mm-hmm. have no ego, yeah. and you have no uh, desire. You have no ambition. And people feel that how can I build a business without having ambition? ambition. Because you feel ambition will get you to be competitive. Whereas um, a truly intuitive businessman will actually operate from a feeling of cooperation hmm. rather than competition. It's Like if you look at hmm. Elon Musk, recently yeah. apparently somebody told me he released all his patents. Yeah, all of it. Right? Yeah. So basically, do you think Elon Musk can single-handedly convert the whole world from electric from fuel to electric no he cannot he needs cooperation of many other mm-hmm. people like there is a, a very iconic company uh, you know out of chennai called arvind eye care i know right so basically you look at the history they, it's all, all like they kind of born with the mission of eliminate curable blindness and earth but after 15 20 years so they their like, we cannot do it by ourselves so suddenly they created a program to actually train and collaborate with Companies across the globe to share their knowledge and do things like that. Right? So I feel that the world is really in need of a paradigm shift right now. You know, like that, and and intuitive entrepreneurs can actually lead that into that paradigm shift.
1: And build institutions that outlast them.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Because that's the See, because thing. You have to have the vision, like you know, like in 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 uh, in Arvind IKEA, they talked with this guy, Doctor V, who was the founder. He said basically, you know, like he he kind of. And the parallel of the temples of South India, like which were started by a king and completed by th- three generations. Mm-hmm. Basically, this is, this is how the complete, you have to have the multi-generational vision. See, that's a, typically the moment you get to that point, you have to see that basically the personal ego starts to shrink. But how do
1: you build this mm-hmm. in fund cycles of seven, ten
0: years? No, you have to think about different ways of doing things you don't have to this is you don't have to be limited by okay. the fund cycles right and there are i mean different funds work in different ways not all of them in the same yeah. way there are many people in the vc industry who, who who have the capacity to think very differently okay you know and you know you have to like see it also thing is like i read this fantastic book called exponential organizations you know came out in 2007 basically it tries to Describe and understand the process why which this newer companies were built. See, because the thing is, the, as the technology curve is increasing, it's becoming faster to do things. Mm-hmm. So you can, you know, you don't have to take the same amount of time. But can you <clears> commit to quality? Like I, I read this one of my favorite place to visit and hang out. This is this, this place called Auroville. You know, and uh, they make a bunch of products over there. Very beautiful, and yes. and this is one line which I read, which I really stuck me. it Says in Auroville, we think of a product as an opportunity to inject consciousness into matter and it's a very kind of loaded line because it's like when you make chai you make tea you know for somebody you put ingredients into it, but also you put a part of yourself into it right and whatever state you were in that that time that's what you put so if you're angry while making a tea that's what you want to serve your customer right? if you were you know you know like so that's the thing so basically like can you build a company which is which is so aware that, that I'm putting consciousness into the matter, into this thing. So I, every process which I do has to be very conscious in that sense. Every person who works for my company has to be able to in that state of calm so that they can, you know, give that effect to the product and people can sense it.
1: Fascinating, thanks. This is uh, this was really helpful because. I think when we are talking of institutional building, we tend to focus a lot on resources that it takes and most of the times people are discussing funding that it takes or employees and, and or technology, disruptive technologies. But I think you you bring a very uh, important way of looking at institutional building which is consciousness. and. Uh, i think that also is explained uh, in the, the names that you talked about uh, the likes of alan musk and steve jobs these are all examples uh, uh, that are worth emulating so yeah
0: in fact we have now come to a point of uh, relaunching morpheus okay that's nice <laughs> right because in my current group of people i couldn't find so many people who would like to work in that i think i maybe i was also not ready right so it took it it took me to exit mm-hmm. and kind of also work mm-hmm. on my own reconfiguration. <laughs> yes, but because I was on the path of this, trying to expand my own consciousness, and I uh, and I felt the need of a community mm-hmm. for that. So I started a community called the Oneness Community, yes. which is basically a community of uh, individuals who are on similar journeys of finding themselves mm-hmm. and you know living from that mm-hmm. deeper mm-hmm. understanding. But will very active in the and but these are all kind of people, right? Mm-hmm. So now we are about. 230 to 40 members in the wellness community Mm -hmm. and um, about three, four months back, I started noticing that about 10% of our members are actually entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. So these are people who are actually building building a a PE fund, building a software company, building a cafe, like regular Mm -hmm. businesses Mm -hmm. which look Mm -hmm. regular from Mm -hmm. outside, Mm -hmm. but from the point of view of (coughs) consciousness, like their main aim in life is to grow their own consciousness and contribute. In, towards the growth of consciousness mm-hmm. of other people and humanity as such. And if you were to look at these businesses today, and many of them are few years old, you can evaluate them and, and you will give them full marks. Like they are doing well mm-hmm. in, as a business, mm-hmm. this thing, but within inside the culture is totally conscious. right? So basically I said now, uh, you know, and I was, so I've been informally kind of associated with them. So now we felt the same thing that maybe the time has come to bring them together mm. as a group, mm. right? And start something <coughs> in framework similar to Morpheus, mm. but with a new value system, mm. right? So the name which we are using is Morpheus One. Oh, nice. <laughs> because the Oneness and the Morpheus kind of, yes. the group basically get combined. Yes. And this time it's not an individual driven initiative that me and Nandri started something, right? Mm. This is a... From the beginning itself, it's a collective community initiative, mm-hmm. right? So we are all, like we are right now, uh, about 30 of us mm-hmm. who have, uh, you know, part mm-hmm. of the uh, initial members who have joined mm-hmm. and all of us are basically already on our journeys of building mm-hmm. businesses consciously. Mm-hmm. And we feel that if we do it collectively, so mm-hmm. we can share yes. a lot of knowledge and grow yes. and also develop conscious business as a sector yes as such because when we are 30 of us doing it then we realize that what are the things which are lacking yes uh, maybe there needs to be a media uh, you know property which needs to cover yes, yes. such yes. businesses yes. maybe there needs to be a fund yes so whatever is needed we'll do it collectively yes. yes right yes and 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 i don't see this as an it's not an alternative to the current it's basically this is how the current businesses are also starting to think actually right? True. so we have uh, basically you know like so we're going to restart uh, the journey but it took two and a half three years to basically come and to that's this point amazing news and, um, yeah. and yeah so basically so this February beginning we been kind of uh, initiated the Huddled. process and there are about 30 people who have added to the mailing list and now slowly we are starting to kind of uh, you know at least share and collaborate between each other
1: No, these are great news and yeah. uh, these are great news for me because I'll tell you as a storyteller we tend to look at things in a very myopic way mm. so the last time we we talked, I was with TechCrunch and you shut down Morpheus, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) And that's how I looked at it and that's how I wrote the article on TechCrunch. And uh, it's a learning for me, like, you know. But see,
0: (laughs) that's what we thought also. That's what I also thought that I was, I never knew that we'll go back and do this thing again, right? But it somehow just in this new year, you know, I was thinking about it and it's a few people came and said, let's do it and, you know, it kind of came together and it's a, and I'm quite excited about it actually. Yeah, yeah. So both me and Nandini are looking forward to now, Yes. Uh, you know, uh, know, and we are doing other things in life, but this sure. is also something very interesting and we know sure. we haven't, I don't know how it will pan out and yes. how will it take shape, but it's yeah. a very organic. Uh,
1: no, it is Amazing. So. More power to you. Thanks so much, Samir. Really fun talking to you. Thank you. Thank you so much.